Good morning, Legacy Church. It is my honor and joy and privilege to be able to bring you the Word of God this morning. Let's pray and let's get right into it. Father, we love you so much. We praise you and we thank you for being our good and faithful Father. We come before your Word this morning uh, with reverence and joy. Lord, it is our delight to be with you, to be in your presence, to hear your word, to sit at your feet and receive all that you have for us. I'm asking you to give us clarity this morning, eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that understands who Jesus is and who we are in him. And we just praise you. We thank you for giving us what we need this morning. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus name, amen. Well, what an awesome day that we get to gather together, maybe not in person, but online and celebrate all that God has done for us and all that He's doing here at Legacy Church. It is such a joy for me. This is my first time to serve a good meal or the Word of God in the sanctuary. And it's, it's very special for me, a little surreal, because this has been my dream for a very long time. And um, I'm trying not to cry. I'm going to be really strong today, this morning. But this has been a dream of mine, and God has put it in my heart for maybe as long as I've been alive. <laughs> a great um, love for His sanctuary, for his house, for his people, for his church. And that is um, so, it's particularly perfect for the series that we're in right now, talking about being under construction and the construction that this sanctuary is actually in the middle of. And for many of you know that for a year now, we've been building this church and getting it ready and dreaming about our first service where all of you would be here and we'd actually be together and experience his presence. And, um, you know, we have us, Jeremy and I, and all of our staff, we definitely have a heart for the house of God and the things of God. We actually picked up our lives. We left and moved all the way from Texas to Colorado to start Legacy Church because we, dream, we dreamt of uh, creating a place where people, this church could come together, God put it in our hearts. You know, we're not, um, we're not the first ones that have had his house in our hearts or dreamed of building a sanctuary. Actually in scripture, um, God told Moses in Exodus 25, eight, nine, he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What was his purpose in building the sanctuary? What was his desire and reason for us to build the sanctuary? It was that he could come and live among us, that he could come and manifest his presence, that he could come show up and show out and make himself very real to his people. Also, King David he, he, had a, he had a heart to build God's house. That's just another way to say to build his sanctuary. And in 1 Chronicles 28, 2, it says, Then King David rose to his feet and he said to the people, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart 
to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, or where His presence dwelt, and for the footstool of our God. And I have made preparations to build it. He was standing before the people saying, listen, everybody, my heart is to build a place for God to come and move in our midst. Listen, everybody, that's what God is doing here. He wants us to build a place and finish the place so he can come and show up and make his home among us. You know, uh, King David, he's probably my favorite in the Bible. And all through the Psalms, he talks about his love for the sanctuary and his love for the house of God. And I want to read you some of those scriptures because it's my, di- my desire this morning to show you the, the God's heart for his house and his heart for the sanctuary. It's very important that we as a people and as a church, we come together with great honor and reverence for the sanctuary of God. Great um, awe, not a place that we just come to work or that we just go and do what we're supposed to do, or just a place that we come to church. No, it's a place where we're hungry to not only hear the word of God, but then to experience his presence for ourselves, to have genuine encounters in his sanctuary. He even tells his people um, in Exodus, he says, uh, remember to keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I'll read you a few of these about uh, the sanctuary and how special it is to God. And um, also, when I say the house of God, I'm referring to the sanctuary. When I say the temple of God, I'm referring to his sanctuary. This is in 1 Chronicles. No, actually, I already read that one. Let's, let's read um, Psalm 27. One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is one of my favorites too. In Psalm 63, verse one, it says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. I thirst for you. With my whole being, I long for you because um, I have seen you in your sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. How special is the sanctuary to our Father? It is so special. So special that even after Jesus came and gave us uh, a new <laughs> and living way to come boldly before his presence and his throne, that we are now called the sanctuary of God. He says, do you not know, do you not understand that you are the temple of the living God and God's spirit because of Jesus now dwells in you? You are a living sanctuary. Now, I don't wanna jump to conclusions because this is how we're gonna get to this in a few minutes. But I just wanna tell you, my heart for his house and our hearts for this house that we would pick up, change the, that God could change the course of our life to come here and to build his house. We've spent this whole year um, under construction, doing everything we can to get this place ready for you. And it's because we love 
reverence, honor the sanctuary of God. Now, the, the amazing thing is, is there's such a blessing attached to your, to your perspective of his sanctuary, how you view his things, how you see his things, how you honor him in these things. Uh, you know, even Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, that's the blessing of God being added to us because of our love for putting first the kingdom of God. That's the blessing on us. Um, another scripture that I love, Psalm 84, 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. That means live, make their home here. Call this place precious for they will still be praising you. They're continually praising you. Why? Because of the blessing that's flowing down to them from your sanctuary, from being planted in the house of God. Psalm chapter one talks about being planted in the house of God by rivers of living water. There is life that flows from the sanctuary of God. There is life that comes from being in his presence, from loving his things, from being connected to the source at his sanctuary. And I wanna read this to you, a passage of scripture that I've been studying along these lines. And this is in Ezekiel chapter 47. And it is a beautiful picture of the life of God that flows from his sanctuary. And I just want to start in chapter and the verse one and just move through the chapter and look at the revelation that is in this chapter. It is so powerful. Verse one says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So think about the temple or the sanctuary or the house of God. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. Some translations say there was water gushing from out of the doors, okay? from out of the doors of the sanctuary. Now you've got to think about, this is a beautiful picture of the life of God that flows from the presence of God and how there's a source for every good thing that we have in God and why it's so important to be close to the temple. And it says that this water was flowing out from the temple. It was flowing, gushing out from under the doors of the temple. And if you think about how many, how many um, places in Scripture that the Bible talks about living water and the water of life. I mean, Revelation chapter 22. You know, I should just read that to you and just hold your place there. I'm going to read this to you in Revelation. This is, this is just a picture of the throne of God. So if you just want to close your eyes and imagine God's throne, think about this. Revelation 22. He showed me a pure river of water of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the, of the, from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Now this is what's in heaven right now. 
a pure river of water and it is flowing from the throne of God. So think about that as you're reading right here in Ezekiel. Go back to Ezekiel with me. In verse two, it says, he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces the east. And there was water, water running out of the right side. This is that river of life. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. And you just have to think about that. You, you're out, you picture yourself wading out in the water. The water's coming up to your ankles. That water of life, that river that flows from God. Verse four, again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees. Isn't this a picture of the life of God? How may you, maybe you're, you've been young and you've just started walking with God and you're wading out in the water. Well, you just gotta keep wading a little bit more. Keep on walking. Let it go a little bit farther. Let it, let it go past your ankles, up to your knees. <laughs> and then it says, um, that he measured 1,000 and brought me through and the water came up to my waist. That means he's going deeper. He's going deeper into those healing waters. Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Isn't this the beauty of our God? How he will, his desire is just to overwhelm us and to overtake us. I wrote a song um, years ago and it just says, thank you for loving me. Thank you for proving it every day. And there's this, the bridge of the song and it says, it comes from Ephesians, but it talks about how wide, how deep, how high is the love of God. And to think about in this passage of scripture, it's what's happening is the water and the love of God and the life that's in God is starting to rise up, not just at his ankles anymore, not just at the knees, but up to the waist. And then it gets so high that you have to go swim in it. I'm believing that in Legacy Church, that we are gonna be so caught up in the rush of his love, be overwhelmed in the, uh, the a wave of his presence, that we would experience the width, the breadth, the length, the height, of his love and it's going to overtake us and we're going to see his glory in the sanctuary. But let's keep reading. I'm getting a little carried away. Let's keep reading. It says right here, it says in verse six, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side of the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, the waters are healed. So we see these are healing waters that are flowing down from this temple, from this sanctuary, from this house of God. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. How important is it to be in the rush of his river, to be right there in his plan, to be in his perfect will, Everywhere the river flows, if you are in his presence, if you're on his path, everywhere the river flows, there is life. There is this healing, living water. 
And then it says in verse 9, And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. <laughs> Man, I'm excited to hear that because I know that I am living in the perfect will of God for my life. I know my babies are right in the center of God's will. And you know what you can be sure of? That there is a river of life flowing to you and it will spring up into living water if you'll let it. But then it, it goes on to say that there will be a great multitude of fish. What is this a type of? This is just a, a picture of a multitude, that's multiplication, that is increase of every kind, that's prosperity of every side, on every side. Because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. If you're dealing with sickness in your body, a terminal, um, a terminal diagnosis of some kind, it is time to get your self over into the life of God and let that river of life wash over you. If you are in God's perfect plan for your life, if you're following God, then dive in deeper, dive into the word of God, which the Bible says in Ephesians chapter five, it will wash over you. There's a washing that happens when you get into the word of God. That's another picture of the river, the life of God, the water of God flowing to you and through you. And I love this. It says in verse 10, it shall be that fishermen will stand by it in Engedi um, to in Englaim. They will be placed, there will be places for spreading their nets. That means just, just like you see Jesus telling them to just throw out your nets. Bring in the harvest. That means there's healing and life and prosperity in this river where God flows. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds of fish for the great sea, exceedingly many. That's increase on every side. But then it says this in verse 11, but its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. That's places outside of the boundary lines of the will of God for your life. That's being outside of the presence of God. That means separating yourself from the things of God. These things will not be healed, it says. In verse 12, I love this. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail and they will bear fruit every month. You know, Jeremy talked about earlier, some people are having trouble, you know, more month than money. This is saying here in this scripture that if you believe God, if you're in the will of God for your life, you can be sure that every month, if you are in his sanctuary, if you are, uh, if you are, if you placed yourself in the river of God, if you will get out in that river, wade out in the river, you will have fruit every month. That's you bearing fruit. And then it says this, they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. How, is, how important is it for us to count special the sanctuary of God, to, to reverence his things and hold them dear to our heart, to serve God with all our heart, to go after him, to go after his presence, to desire him, to long for him, to be thirsty for him. Now I know that because of Jesus, we've been filled and our thirst has been quenched. But man, think about it. You want your heart 
to desire Him and to long to be in His presence. There's something that happens in this sanctuary that doesn't happen in your bedroom by yourself. There's something that happens when you get with your people, the tribe God has called you to be with. There's something that happens. And it's, uh, it's, it's God coming in and making His home here. It's Him setting up His home and His throne on us. Glory to God, that's a powerful thought. And we need to be expecting and getting excited and prepared for what He's going to do here. Um, as I was praying about this, I started to think about the source that comes from the sanctuary, the source of satisf satisfaction in your life and then those around you when they have made their home in that sanctuary. Think about it in this passage of scripture. This water, it started, this water of life, this healing life, it started in the sanctuary. That sanctuary was the source. And what is that just a picture of? God himself and his presence being your source for everything that you need in life. I looked up what a source is. I'm going to ask you this question. What is a source? What is a, who is your source? What does it mean for something to be your source? Um, and the definition of that is it's the point or the place in which something originates. The point or the place in which something originates. It's also the definition could be the beginning or place of origin of a stream or a river, which is what we're talking about here. And I love how in this passage that it says that the water began gushing out of the temple. Why is that? That's just an overwhelming surge of God filling up his people, not stopping at the ankle, not stopping at the knee. He will come and he will overtake your whole being if you will let him, if you want him, if you want him enough. And I started to think about what it means for something to be your source. You know, God, the Bible says, is a jealous God. And his desire is for us to look to him and for him to be the source of everything we have in life. Now, a lot of people may think, um, well, of course, I know what you're talking about. You're, you're saying that he should be your source of supply. Well, yeah, I'm talking about that. It's really important that God is the only one we look to to provide for us financially, to provide everything we need for us in life. Super important that we look to him as our source and we don't look to anybody else to meet our needs. God is my source of supplies. Uh, source of supply. He may have a lot of different channels and a lot of different streams that may flow from that source to get his provision to me. It may be a one, um, one, mo one area of income that he brings it into me. Babe, he may have many channels, but he is the only source. He is my only source. And you think about this in so many areas of life, people don't think and realize that he should also be our source of love, our source of validation, our source of acceptance. Do you look to him as your source for everything in your life? Or are you putting pressure on people to fill a void that you haven't found in him? Um, he should also be, well, I'll, I'll say it like this. The Lord told me this phrase. He said, if you make people your source, you are limited by what they can do, to, do for you. If you make people your source, you are limited by only what they can do for you. I'm telling you what, I have way too many dreams for 
there's no way a man or a woman could provide those things for me. He may use people to bring it to me, but he is my only source. I have way too much vision, way too much. My, my sights are way too lofty to even think that a man or a woman could do for me what God can do for me. Is God your source of healing? Do you look to him, first of all, or do you look for all the answers on Google? <laughs> what is, who is your source for healing? You know, another big one is who is your source for, who is your source for identity? Who do you look to to tell you who you are? Do you look to social media? Do you look to uh, your friends? Do you look to your husband or your wife? Do you expect them? to show you who you are? Well, I just wanted to read to you what I do every morning. I start my day making God my source. He is my source, the source of my identity. I have found myself and I found myself in Christ. I cannot look, I don't find myself in my staff. I don't find myself in how many people come to this church. I don't find my, I don't, I haven't found myself in who I'm married to, that I'm married to Jeremy. He doesn't make me who I am. The only one who says who I am is what I found in the Word of God. And I just thought I'd read these to you. This is actually not even a part of my message, but I thought I'll read these to you and we can post them. If you want them, you can write in the ministry and we'll send them to you. But if you're a child of God, you should, you should know who you are. And if you have found your identity in God, then, um, then you've got it made, okay? Because life gets a lot easier when you stop putting pressure on other people to fill a void that only God can fill. So I wrote this, these are my confessions for in the morning. And I just ask myself, and I'll ask you this question, child of God, do you know who you are? Do you know who your identity is in? This is what the scripture says about you. You were bought with a price. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You were adopted into the family of God. You are greatly desired and you are beautiful to Him. You are His special treasure. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's handiwork. You are precious in His sight. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are redeemed from the curse. You are the blessed of the Lord, happy and to be envied. You are healed by his stripes. You have a shield surrounding you. Therefore, no weapon against you will prosper. You have God on the inside and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are protected by his angels every day in every way. You were created for his pleasure, for his purpose and for his glory. You were consecrated and set apart for his work. You are royalty handpicked for your generation. You have been made a king and a priest unto your God. 
You are his witness and his servant. You are anointed and you're appointed to bear fruit and you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, there are many more of these that you could confess over your life. I got all of these straight from scripture and I have them all cited on here. If you'd like to have a copy of this, we'll send you one, just email us. But there are, there are so many scriptures all through the word that tell you who you are. And you've got to go to the source, the Word of God, to find out who you are. And you've got to meditate on it. And you've got to speak it over your life. But if you want that river of life flowing through you, you've got to go to the source that is God Himself for everything you need. Say this with me, just sitting in your house right now. Say this with me. God is my source. He is my source of supply. Father, you are my source of love and acceptance. You are my source and my identity is in you. You are my source for everything I need. Physically, materially, you are the source of my healing. You are the source of my life. All of my life flows from you. Flows from your presence. Flows from your sanctuary. You are my source, Lord. And you know, when you start thinking like this, you do, you stop putting pressure on people and you start looking to God for everything. You don't put expectation on people to be or to do something for you, but you rely on him for everything. You know, ladies, you don't have to make your husband your source. You don't have to look to him to even provide for you. You can go to God and like Psalm chapter 37 talks about, he will give you the secret petitions of your heart. Guys, you don't have to look to your wife to make you feel special or important or to validate you. You can get it from God himself. He will show you who you are. If you'll search his scriptures, if you'll seek him with all your heart, he will make you a confident man. I think about this, this is a source. Is he the source of your confidence? Is he the source of every open door in your life? Did you know you don't even have to go to a man or a woman or expect for them to open a door for you? You know, I've seen God move in my life. At Joshua chapter one, I love this. It talks about how no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That means no man will be able to stop the call of God on your life. What this thing, this, this life that you have in God, it's between you and him. You and him. I, sometimes I tell people, you've got to get your own God. You can't look to mama or daddy. You can't make them your source. You have got to go to God for everything. If you're having marriage problems right now, if you're dealing with hard situations, you've got to go to God. Get in your prayer closet. Begin to pray and look to him as your source. God will move on your spouse. Man, prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. But looking to God as your source and knowing that as your source, that's where every bit of life, that river of life is flowing to you. Just like Ezekiel gives us this beautiful picture of life flowing down from his sanctuary. Um, I was thinking about uh, this, uh, an example of this. Um, you know, we're talking about water here, but in our town here in uh, Woodland Park in Green Mountain Falls, we have a water store. 
and it's called My Free Water Store. And you can go down there and you can get water and they will fill it up and give it to you for free. And it's really good water, alkaline water. I'm not even trying to give a, um, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> A promo for him. I'm just saying it's great water, okay? This is really good alkaline water. But um, Mr. Wade that has a store, he will say, tell you, he'll say, now you fill this up and then in a couple days, you need to come back and you need to get more water. Even if it's not empty, you need to get fresh water. What is it? It's living water. And he says, come back and get this water because what happens after a couple days is this water, it loses its potency, Okay, it's not as pure, it's not as fresh, it's not as strong, it's not as effective. So you need to come back in a couple days and get new water. Well, Jesus talks about this when he meets with the woman at the well. You remember the story in John chapter four? And she is, he's, he's sitting on the well and he's by the well and he's thirsty. And she doesn't have a clue that who he is. She doesn't have a clue that he's God. She doesn't know the power and the living water that is like sitting right in front of her. She's thinking about this natural well and talking to him about all these, what she thinks are spiritual things. And he's telling her, he says this to her. Let's see if I can find it. John chapter four. He says to her, woman or lady or, yeah, he, he's sweet, but that's just what they would say back then. <laughs> if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Who is the source of our life? Who gives us living water? Are you thirsty for that? Jesus even says to her, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But that water that I give him will be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What he's saying is you may thirst for water in the natural every day. If we don't have water, we get really thirsty, especially here, up here in the mountains. We have to have tons of water. But what he's saying to her is there is a whole nother kind of water that is a spiritual water that you need. You need water that comes from another source. You need water that's coming out of your, the deepest parts of you, out of your heart. You need those rivers of living water that Jesus talked about that are flowing from the Holy Spirit Who's, who can live on the inside of you. He says to her, if you knew who I was sitting in front of you, if you knew the life that I could give you, you would ask for it and you'd receive it and you would thirst no longer. What is Jesus saying? Come, drink of me. Come, come, receive of me. Ask me for it. What do you need? What are you thirsty for? Have you felt dry? Have you felt like you were living in a desert? You're not supposed to feel like that. You're supposed to be flourishing. That one scripture that talks about blessed are those who dwell in their courts. One translation says, for they are forever flourishing. That means they're living. That means they're not dry. They're not living in a desert, but they're flourishing in the courts of our God. As I was thinking about all these water analogies, <laughs> I thought about when I was growing up, 
Uh, I spent so much time. My dad is like a total outdoorsman. He is an adventurer. I think I got adventure from him. It is in my blood. And, it, you know, I got it from him, but I think I also got it from our Heavenly Father because he is always ready for some exciting new adventure. Trust me, I know, because how many times has he told me to pick up and go and do? Well, I have this thing about me. You might have heard Jeremy tell you, but I love to go down roads that I'm not supposed to go down. I love to go down the roads that say, do not enter private property. Now he doesn't let me most of the time, but growing up, I mean, I was always ready. I was ready for something exciting. I mean, you know how it is. You want a thrill. You want to be always doing something exciting or something that gives you a high. Well, that's the same with God. He, he knows that. That's why the best high, there's no high like the most high. You've heard, probably heard people say that. But this is, yes, the, the, okay, a little cheesy. But the truth is that God can satisfy you and he can give you a high like no other high, no drug. You can have moments in his presence and in his sanctuary and in, in, in that life that, play, that just, it will, it will totally overwhelm you. And you will become so satisfied in God that you will never need another drug. You will never need another high. He is that amazing and he can satisfy you. That satisfaction will come from his sanctuary or his presence, being in his presence. But as I was praying about this, I was thinking about my childhood growing up. I was always like out in the woods, you know, finding fun rocks or, I mean, everything was something, I was, you know, we did a lot of crazy stuff growing up, me and my brothers. I mean, think about the Goonies and the, um, all the uh, Indiana Jones. These are our favorite movies. We were always up for adventure all the time. And we were off in the woods. We were riding four wheelers. Um, we, we did everything you can imagine outside. My dad had us, we were hiking at a state park every weekend. We also were always, our favorite, one of our favorite things to do was to go canoeing on the Buffalo River. I grew up in Arkansas. And um, as many of you know, and as many of you have been, it's super fun, super relaxing. Um, just one great vacation for a country girl, okay? One great little weekend getaway. I mean, we had the time of our lives. Now, I learned a lot of things camping and canoeing on the Buffalo River, and I wanted to share some of them with you. Now, you can kind of apply these as I was praying and reading to your spiritual life. So think about it as I read, but there will be a point. Um, number one, learn to paddle and work hard. Oh, sorry, let me start over. Learn when to paddle and when to work hard, but also learn to rest and let the current carry you. Number two, if you see a little snake, don't freak out and let fear in. Just chill, don't quit paddling, and just let the, the current continue to carry you through. Just, just chill, okay? Number three, jump out of the boat sometimes, okay? Let the water clean you off and refresh you. Take some risk and enjoy swimming even the when the water's a little uh, murky and dark and dirty. Okay, just enjoy it a little. Enjoy your life a little bit. Number four, don't let yourself drift, drift away from your fellow campers. Remember who you started the trip with. Usually these are the ones you will finish with. Don't let anything 
separate you from the people God has connected you to. Oh, wait, that was kind of spiritual. Um, I'm really talking about the camping trip and being on the river. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay, apply it to your spiritual life. Number five, recognize that the river is really powerful. Move when there's momentum and don't draw back and try to paddle upstream, okay? Do you know what I'm, just think about Hebrews a little bit. We are not of those who draw back. I'm, I'm trying to be clever here, okay. Um, stop trying to paddle upstream. You're fighting the flow. Don't fight the flow of the river. This will likely take more energy than necessary and you may not have the power to paddle when you need it the most. And this is the one that I thought about the most as I thought about all the things I had learned. Stop trying to fight the flow of what God's doing, the, the flow of the river, the flow of life. What are some of those things that stop the flow of life? You know, if you really, if you could see in the spirit and you could see what was happening to you as a born again, child of God, day in and day out, the blessing of God that's on your life, how wonderful it is, how powerful it is, what Jesus came to give you, that you are blessed. If you could see that blessing working and you could see that river of life that's consistently flowing to you and through you, to you and through you, you would be amazed at what God has done in your life, what He's protected you from, what He is, uh, the healing power that's continually flowing to you, the life of God that's flowing to you. People that are not born again and don't know God, they often don't realize that so many of the hardships that they have is just because that river of life is not naturally flowing to them, supernaturally really, flowing to them day in and day out. But what you don't wanna do is to get over into the world's way of doing things and stop the flow and fight against the flow of life. And what are some things that can do that? Well, unforgiveness for the believer is, is like paddling upstream against the flow of life. Um, offense. It's like fighting the flow. Don't you just want to get in those currents and sometimes you just, you want to just like coast and you want to go with the flow. That's what God created us to do is to stay in that flow of life. But offense, unforgiveness, things that will stop the flow of God, strife. These are the things that fight against His flow. But God's desire is that we would just, we would get rid of those things and we would just let His life flow to us from the sanctuary. Um, I wanted to read you this, um, you know, even in Ezekiel when we read, it talked about the waters that were fresh and full of healing. And then it also talked about the rivers that were murky and the marshes that the, the life of God couldn't flow to. It talked about um, fresh water versus salty water. And often you can also see that translated in scripture, fresh and bitter. And in James chapter three, it talks about being thirsty for fresh water. It says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can fig trees bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. Another um, translation, the New King James Version, it says this. Does a, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same source or opening? See, you have a source. And out of that source, it, it, it's not supposed to bear bitter, it's not supposed to produce bitter water or fresh water. It's supposed to produce one or the other. It cannot produce both. And so it's so important to get our heart right and, right and recognize that we want only fresh coming out of us. Can a, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I thought about what the, what the difference is between fresh water and bitter water and how how connected it is to our healing and living a life of health. Bitterness contaminates and it, and it makes murky, it makes things um, clouded so that we can't receive from God. Um, and, and I think about even in Exodus chapter 15, where it talks about, you know what, let's just read that because that's really powerful in connection to what we're saying. Um, in verse 22, this is, a, this is a passage that talks about Moses. He brought Israel from the Red Sea and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. This is for chapter 15, verse 24. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I've brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord who heals you. I think it's really interesting that it started with bitter waters. And then God threw in the tree, which is a type of, of a picture of the cross. It's a picture of him giving us Jesus. And when he did, he makes the bitter water sweet. And when he does that and the bitter leaves and there's only sweet and fresh left, then healing is able to flow to God's people. So what is the difference between a fresh water and bitter water? Well, think about what things are fresh that you and I enjoy in life. You know, Jeremy and I think about, I, I, well, one of my favorite examples is something my grandma told me years ago that she used to live by a bakery and they would bake fresh bread in the mornings and you could smell it all the way down the street. And it was so yummy. But think about what that freshness does to you. It, it gives you this, well, it gives you a hunger for more, doesn't it? it, um, it it's tempting it's really tempting. Did you know that um, unbelievers should look at you and they should be tempted by the freshness and the life of God that they see in you? They should. They should be looking at you and tempted to live that kind of life, that God kind of life. Also, um, when things are fresh, they're captivating. You know, in our staff and our team, we've been meditating on something the Lord gave us a word. And our desire is to start putting out word and content to you and music that is three things, consistent, 
um, compelling and creative. And our desire is to be creative and consistent and compelling. I just repeated that backwards three, two times. Okay, anyway. So uh, our desire is to bring um, substance and something fresh to people, something that gives people life. And the only way that you're, you can be really creative in life is by being authentic. What is authentic? It means to be true to the original. It means to go and to get something from the source. And I tell my crew, I say, if, when I tell you I want you to be creative, I don't want you to be a copy of something that you think is cool. No, I want you to be creative. I want you to go to the creative one himself. I want you to go to the source. If you have to pray in tongues, whatever you need to do, um, not have to, you get to. This is a part of our every, should be a part of our everyday life. But we get to go to the source and get wisdom from him, get creativity, get revelation. That's what we're after. And the Lord said to me once, I was thinking about this, um, how you want to go to the, to, um, well, let's just say this. Um, as Legacy Church, our goal and our desire is not to copy any other churches, not to copy their decor, not to copy um, the way they sing or their music, not to copy um, their sound or their productions. Our desire is to go to the source of creativity, to be truly authentic, to be the church that God has called us to be not to be a cookie cutter copy of anyone. We want to be authentic through and through. The Lord said to me once, he said, the more authentic you become, the more effective you will be. And man, if there's one thing we want to be is effective. We want to reach people. We want to help people. We want to, we want to bring something fresh to you day in and day out. And I think about what else is fresh. Um, fresh, you know, we said that fresh bread, but also that fresh water we talked about down at the water store. It's good. I mean, it doesn't taste like what you get in the tap. It doesn't taste like that. It's fresh. It's, it tastes better. So giving some, giving us giving you life, us giving you freshness, that's what you get from the throne of God, something fresh. And you don't want to wait too long to go back for more. You want to get in there and you want to be continually um, revived in His presence. You want to be continually satisfied and fulfilled. Um, I was thinking about this story that I heard about John G. Lake. And I don't know if you know him, but he was a great evangelist, healing minister. Um, and he said he had seen another minister, minister across the world somewhere in another country. And he, when he saw him, it was so anointed and so powerful and so full of life. And it was just, uh, it quenched the thirst of the people. You could just tell it was making people new, making people alive, it was bringing healing. And um, over time, he, he, years went by and he went back to the same country and he saw this minister minister again. And he said the second time he saw him, it was dry. It was like a desert. There was no life in it. It was just, uh, it, there wasn't, that's the only way he could describe it. It was dry. And, and, you know, this is a perfect picture of something being refreshed, people being refreshed or people just being drying up and withering away. And that so many times throughout the scripture, it says that people that are planted by the, in the house of God or people that are planted by the rivers of living water, their leaves will not wither and they will not cease from bearing fruit. Well, what John G. Lake, G. Lake said, he said that this man that he saw, this minister, this years later, when he heard him preach, it was dry. And so he went to his assistant 
And he said, listen, I just want to know what happened. When I saw him years ago, it was alive and it was fresh. The ministry time was real. People were getting healed. And then this years later, it was dry like a desert. What happened? And this is what his assistant said. He said, he has lost his love for the book. What was he talking about? He had lost his love for the word of God and for the Bible. He's lost his love for the book. And then he also said this, he said, and he has no current testimony. Did you know that each one of us, you and me alike, are meant to have a fresh thing with God, a fresh testimony every single day, week, month, year, and if, you know, I may say the word testimony, but to, to, I could also just say you and I should have a fresh story to tell, a story to tell that brings life to all those around us, a story that tells of the goodness of God and something he's done in our life. It is not okay to just tell other people's stories all the time. You've got to have your own story. One time the Lord said to me, faith in God will give you a story that will give him glory. And you want that fresh story with him. You want to be able to tell people what he's done for you. See, the source of life himself, God himself, if you'll get over into his river of life, he will begin to, to flow through you and you will be like a conduit of his power. And you will be like, a, you will be that you'll start to, you know, you may be new to this thing. You may just start to wade out into that river a little bit. Well, you know what? Don't be afraid. It may be scary at times, but go ahead and wade out a little farther to your knee. Let it come up to your knees. Then let it come up to your waist. Then let it be so thick that you've got to go swim in it. Man, get over into his presence. Get over into those healing waters where he just overwhelms you with his glory. That is what we're going to see in this congregation, in this sanctuary. We are going to see his satisfying power. We are going to see his glory in the sanctuary, his power and his glory in this place. So get ready for it, Legacy Church. It's coming. We're excited. We're expecting. We're believing. And we're asking you to jump in and just begin to swim with us. Swim in your prayer. Get over into that prayer life for what's coming. Because we are desiring to see him in the sanctuary. This isn't about us just coming together and playing church. This is about experiencing him for ourselves. This is about him showing out, showing us his goodness, showing us his glory in the sanctuary. I love this um, scripture in... Um, in, let's see here, Psalm 65, 4, it says, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. Now, hasn't he done that? He chose us in Christ. He gave us Jesus so that we could approach him in his sanctuary. It says that he may dwell in your courts. That's us. That we would dwell in his courts, in his house, in his sanctuary. And that we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Hey, I just want to encourage you today. Don't lose sight of the satisfaction that comes from his sanctuary, of being a part of the house of God. If it's not at this church, find out where your house is. There's life that flows from that place for you. There, that, is a, that is 
a part of the source. That's, that's God's life flowing to you through the anointed word. Get over into that place. Make sure you find out where your house is. And you know what? When you get in that river, don't let anyone separate you from the people that God's put you on that trip with. Don't let anyone separate you. Don't draw back, but keep moving forward, pressing in. We are not of those that draw back, but we are those that press in. We are uh, those, we are of faith. We step out. We keep walking and we don't quit when it looks hard. We don't get, we don't, we don't draw back and get, we're not afraid when we encounter something a little creepy or a, a, a little something. We're not afraid. We don't quit. Man, we don't let anybody separate us from the love of God and from the people that God's joined us to. I just encourage you to get in your place, get it with the people God's called you to be. If this is your church home, Pick up your life and move here like we have. We would love to have you a part of this church. If it's not, don't. But if it is, get in this place with us. We are going to seek God with all our hearts and we are going to see His glory and His power in this sanctuary. Legacy Church, we love you so much today. I'm believing with you that today you've gotten a revelation that God is your source for everything in this life, that you've, um, for something is stirred in your heart, for the house of God and for all the things that are just ahead. We're just building a foundation right now. God is our source. His presence is our source. We're looking to Him. And as we, if, as we get over into that river of life, that He'll just pour out His supply. He'll pour out His provision. There'll be increase on every side for you. And, um, and I just want to encourage you that this, if this is your place, get ready to see your life totally transformed. If you plug in here, if you plant yourself in the house of God, you will forever be praising him. You will be flourishing in his courts. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for your word that is life and health and medicine to us. We thank you for those rivers of living water that are flowing to us when we don't even always realize it that you're keeping us alive, that you're making us alive. We thank you that the same spirit that dwells in you dwells in us. It quickens our mortal bodies. I pray over every single person here that needs healing. Every person in this church, I'm asking you to just pour out your spirit, your presence, the flow, the washing of that water, just to, just to, just to rush over them. And just begin to fill up that they would just begin to sense it all the way from the bottom of their feet, all the way where they just begin to swim in it. I'm asking you to do a good and a quick work to speed up the healing process. Oh, you are so good, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your rivers of living water that are flowing to us and flowing through us. We ask you to make us a sanctuary this week where we would bring life to every person we encounter that we bring joy and love and peace, that we be able to give when you tell us to give, whatever we can do to be a sanctuary. We thank you for making us that sanctuary. And we'll, we, our desire is to live and be that for your glory in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you today. Give you glory for what we're learning. You're, you're growing us up fast and we're excited about the foundation that you are building here at Legacy Church. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. 
feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.